Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters. I would like you please to turn your Bibles and open it into Daniel chapter 8, and we are going to continue with the Lord's help to look into this amazing prophetic book which was given to this man by the name of Daniel by the Spirit of God to put this for us in the canon of Scripture, which really helps us to understand the way in which God deals with His people Israel during the times of the Gentiles. To remind you that Daniel was in the land of Babel. He was taken by the Babylonian in 605 BC. And then him... Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, and others have been carried away in these three periods of time in Jewish history. Ultimately, in 586 BC, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, and the Jewish people were by the rivers of Babylon, and there God had given to Daniel this amazing Revelation concerning the times of the Gentiles in which the Jewish people will be away from the land and the Gentile rulers will rule over the affairs of this world allowed by God for a temporary time which is right now very, very long time called the times of the Gentiles. And so we have arrived to Daniel chapter 8. In this interesting chapter, Daniel chapter 8, we have arrived to the time in which now Daniel continues to see visions and dreams which God had revealed unto him. To remind you, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel had seen the vision of the four beasts, and now in this Daniel chapter 8, Daniel sees a vision of the ram and the goat in connection with the Jewish history, which is very important to understand if we wish to understand the Word of God. So I'm reading in Daniel chapter 8, verses 1 to 14, the vision of the ram and the goat. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in the vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was in a Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Ulai. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that 
no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will, and became great. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram, and had two horns which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with anger against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him. And there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones towards the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great towards the south, and towards the east, and towards the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host, and the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. And he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice, by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. And I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto the certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the hose to be trodden underfoot. And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And I will stop here, beloved brothers and sisters, with the reading of Daniel chapter 8, verses 1 to 14. So as we are studying, beloved brothers and sisters, this interesting chapter 8, we find ourselves once again in the period of time in which Babylon was still in power. To remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, that the book of Daniel does not present itself in a chronological order, but rather there is a subject, there is a theme, there is a, a lesson in every chapter in the book of Daniel. So when we arrive to chapter 8, you notice how verse 1 begins. It says, in the third 
year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. To remind you, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, that in that eighth chapter we learn of King Belshazzar, who was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the son of Nabonidus, who was the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar co-reigned with his father over Babylon. He reigned from 552 to 539 BC. And in 539 BC, Belshazzar died. And he died when the Medo-Persians came against the city of Babylon and took that city. And as if you remember, we have read concerning the slaying of Belshazzar. We have already read it in chapter 5 and verse 31. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, the king of Babylon, slain. And Darius the Medes received the kingdom being about 62 years of age. And so what we really learn here that we are in a sense going back now to the period of time in which the Babylonian reign, and it is really only the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. And as I mentioned earlier, he reigned from 552 B.C., and so that would be the year of 551 B.C., because in chapter 7 and verse 1 of this very same book of Daniel, there it was the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. This is chapter 7 and verse 1. That chapter 7 was in 553 B.C., and now we have arrived to 551 B.C., and Daniel sees another vision. And so you notice in verses 1 and 2 of Daniel chapter 8 that we read of the date and the occasion when the vision took place and Daniel have received that vision from the God of heaven, from the God of Israel. And so let me read the first two verses of Daniel chapter 8. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass, when I saw that I was at Shushan the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Ulai. What we really learn here from these two verses, that the date is 551 B.C., that Belshazzar was reigning over Babylon, that the vision appeared unto Daniel, and the word for vision in Hebrew is chazon, and chazon is much more than just a dream. A dream is where one sleeps and he sees a dream. A vision is when some uh, one see literally a vision that God revealed this unto his servant. And so Daniel, we learn from this verse that Daniel received a chazon, a vision, 
that appeared to him, and then it was after the one that he had already saw the first. In other words, the previous vision which he saw was the vision of chapter 7, the vision of the four beasts. And we have learned that the visions of the four beasts represented, once again, the, the way in which God looks at the times of the Gentiles. And the times of the Gentiles are these four periods of time. We might say it's divided into four sections in which the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Grecians, and the Romans will rule over the affairs of this world called the times of the Gentiles, where our Jewish people are scattered around the world, not yet restored to God, since the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 B.C. And so the time of the Gentile will continue all the way to the second coming of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, the end of the tribulation. And we live during the church age now, which began at about 30 AD when the Holy Spirit of God came and formed the body of Christ, the body of Mashiach, in the city of Jerusalem, and now we are living for a long time since the church was born, but we are still part of the times of the Gentiles. And the times of the Gentiles is an expression that our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, mentioned this to his disciples in the land of Israel while he was still with them, ministering to them. He warned them and he told them, the day shall fall, namely the people of Israel, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Luke chapter 21 and verse 24. And so Daniel is in Babylon. Daniel received now a second vision, and this time is in more detail in addition to what he have seen in chapter 7. In chapter 7, he have seen events that occur, that God looked at the four beasts representing the four Gentile empires, the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Grecians, and the Romans, and ultimately a fifth kingdom, which is the Messianic kingdom, when the Messiah will come and rule and reign, over Israel and all the nations of the world as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But here we see some of the events that will happen to the Jewish people during certain portion of the times of the Gentiles, specifically, beloved brothers and sisters, during the time of the Medo-Persians and the Grecian Empire. And so even though Daniel is living during the times in which Babylon was still empowered, and Belshazzar was the king ruling, uh, co-reigning under his father, along with his father, Nabonidus. Here we find now that Daniel sees this chazon, this, this vision. Now notice what we find out in the next verse 2, that Daniel was carried away supernaturally in that vision, to the city of Shushan, which was the capital city of Persia. Now notice this, what's so interesting to see and to read. It says in verse 2, And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan 
in the palace which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Ulai. In other words, Daniel, just the same like Yechezkel, Ezekiel, and just the same like Yohanan, John, both of them were carried by the Spirit to see an amazing vision from the hands of the God of Israel. Let me remind you what we read in Ezekiel chapter 37, when Yechezkel was also carried by the Spirit to see this unique vision concerning the valley of the dry bones, concerning the future restoration of, of our people of Israel. We read in Ezekiel 37.1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there was very many in the open valley. In other words, Yechezkel was carried by the Spirit of God, and was placed there by the valley of the dry bones, in which God wanted to show him what will happen to the nation of Israel when God will restore his own people back to himself in a future day. Very similar in the book of Revelation in chapter 1 when Yohanan, John, the apostle, he also in verse 10 wrote, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Yohanan, John, the apostle, also was carried by God, and the Lord Jesus the Messiah gave him by uh, the Spirit of God to write in a book called Chazon, Revelation, and to give us the events that will occur during the church age, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation, and then the rapture of the church, uh, uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5, you see the, the Messiah, the, the Lamb, in heaven, and then from chapter 6 to chapter 19, to see the tribulation days in which the persecution of our people, the Jewish people, and the world, and ultimately the second coming of the Messiah in the end of chapter 19, the Messianic kingdom in Revelation chapter 20, and the eternal order in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. Both of them, Yechezkel and John, Yohanan and Daniel, all of them have been carried by the Spirit of God to see that amazing vision that God had given unto them. And here, Daniel's vision of the ram and the goat. So what we find out in Daniel 8 and verse 2, I saw in a vision. And it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan the palace. Shushan the palace is far away from where uh, the city of Babylon where Daniel was. Shushan 
Uh, the palace, the name is really Shushan Habira in Hebrew, the capital city of the Medo-Persian. And uh, you will find it in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1, in Esther chapter 1 as well, and verses 1 and, and 2 and so on. And you will find that Shushan the palace is the place where the Jewish people were during the time of the Medo-Persian empire as well and so daniel was carried by the spirit of god to see that vision and notice where he was placed in that vision it was in shushan the palace which is in the province of elam and of course elam it's actually mentioned more than once in the early books of the bible in genesis it mentioned and i saw in a vision and I was by the river of Ulai. So Ulai is in Persia. It is present-day Iran today. And Daniel was carried by the Spirit to see that vision. Very beautiful to see how the Lord is presenting before His servants of old, who gave us the Word of God, the prophets of old, the prophets of Israel, who gave us these scriptures that you and I read, the book of Daniel and other books of the scriptures, and the prophets and the apostles, how the Spirit of God guided them to give us the information that we have in the complete canon of the Word of God, both the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the Brit HaChadashah, the New Covenant. The whole canon of Scripture is being given to us by divine inspiration. Well, as we move along, beloved brothers and sisters, we learn about the details that Daniel have seen in that vision. Notice in verses 3 and 4, he sees the vision of the ram. And in verses 5 to 8, he sees the vision of the he-goat. So notice the ram and the he-goat, both of them representing nations. And it is interesting to see, it. again to remember, that just like Daniel chapter 2, in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had seen of that great image, where Daniel, by the Spirit of God, gave Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation. And he said, Nebuchadnezzar, this image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till the stone was cast without hand, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. So Daniel gave to Nebuchadnezzar the information concerning the image dream which he saw. And he said to Nebuchadnezzar, that he was that head of gold. And then, beloved brothers and sisters, we can see in the study of the book of Daniel that we see kingdom after kingdom rising or empire rising and empire coming to an end. The Babylonian empire rose and would come to an end in 539 B.C. The Medo-Persian will rise to power and will come to an end. The Greeks will come to a power, power and then they will come to an end. 
The Roman Empire will rise and it will come to an end. And ultimately the Messiah will come and he will reign under him. Israel, restored nation, will reign and rule and the kingdom will never have an end. As we read this in the book of Daniel. It's amazing to learn these lessons, beloved brothers and sisters. And so, we read now here that the vision of the ram representing really the Medo-Persian Empire, which began at 539 BC and ended in 331 BC. Notice what we read here. In verse 3, and I lifted up mine eyes, and I saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. You notice, what does he see now? We have additional details about the Medo-Persian. Again, to remind you that the Medo-Persian is really the second empire that will rise, beginning, as we have mentioned, in 539 B.C. And it will begin, notice this ram, very interestingly, beloved brothers and sisters, that this ram had two horns. These two horns representing the Medes and the Persian. In fact, if you go down to verse 20, when the interpretation would come to Daniel, we read, The ram which thou sowest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. In other words, the Bible interprets itself. And so, here we can see that the ram had two horns. The two horns, one was higher than the other. The higher one came last or later. In other words, the Medes and the Persian, while they both were powerful nations, united nations, but the Persian became more powerful, stronger. And that's how we also read that when, when Darius received the kingdom, he received it from Cyrus, the king of Persia. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom after Babylon was destroyed, and the king of Persia which was Cyrus, gave this to the Medes, and then the Darius became the king over the Babylonian province, which was under the empire of the Medo-Persian. And so we read that he saw the ram in verse 3. And now when he read, what we read about the ram, it had two horns. One of them was higher than the other. This is the Persian was more powerful than the Medes. And I saw the ram rushing westward and northward and southward, it says in verse 4, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. And he did according to his will and became great. In other words, we find out that the Persian, the Medo-Persian Empire, this represented by the ram, pushed to the west, Babylon pushed to the north, Armenia pushed to the south, this is Egypt, and they became very great. No one could stand against the Medes and the Persian Empire. And you notice this is so interesting to see how the rise of the Medo-Persian. But now, beloved brothers and sisters, we learn some more of that information that Daniel sees here in these eight chapter to remind you also as we are moving along in this eighth 
chapter that now we are no longer reading text in the Aramaic language. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1 to Daniel chapter 12 verse 13 to the end of the chapter in the, in the Hebrew tongue. In other words, the whole book of Daniel written in two languages, very similar, very similar, Aramaic and Hebrew. Chapter 1 verse 1 to chapter 2 verse 3 was written in Aramit, was written in Hebrew. And chapter 2 verse 4 to chapter 7 verse 28 was written in Aramit. And chapter 8 verse 1 to chapter 12 verse 13 we are back to the Hebrew. So, Hebrew, Aramit, and Hebrew, and the reason for that, because now Daniel is going to back to the Hebrew language because he is speaking in details concerning the events that will occur here in this world when the Jewish people will be the ones that will be affected by all that which will happen during these uh, terrible events in the history of the people of Israel. And so we continue now. After Daniel has seen the vision of the ram in Hebrew, Ail, and now in verses 5 to 8, Daniel sees a vision of the he-goat. In Hebrew, it's called Sphir Ha'ezim. It's as, it's a goat, it's a male goat. And notice what we read in verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. In verse 5, Daniel next sees the he-goat which came from the west, from Macedonia, from Greece. And I was considering, behold, the he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Now interesting, because that goat representing now the Grecian Empire, and in a sense, beloved brothers and sisters, it represents Alexander the Great, the one that represented here by the notable horn, it says, between his eyes. So Daniel sees a he-goat that comes from the west, this is Greece, and he is coming without to, to touch the ground, speaks of the speed and he is conquering, representing, of course, Alexander the Great, who was in the Grecian armies when they warred against other nations. They swiftly and in a speedy way conquered and conquered and conquered. And uh, there was one notable horn, Karen in Hebrew, between his eyes, the eyes of the goat, and that is a representation of Alexander the Great. We read in verses 6 and 7 that Daniel sees now that he-goat running against the ram. Notice the ram in verses 3 and 4 is the Medo-Persian, as we have already mentioned them. Now in verses 6 and 7, Daniel sees that the he goat going and running against the ram, and we can say it the the Grecians headed up by Alexander the Great are now coming against the Medo Persians and ultimately defeating them. And we'll read verses six and seven, and he, this is the goat, 
came to the ram that had the two horns, Medo-Persia, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him coming close unto the ram, and he was moved with anger, with choler, anger against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Now, it is again, beloved brothers and sisters, it is important to understand that as God have showed Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 in the dream of the great image that there will be an end to every empire. It will begin with the empire of the Babylon. And it will continue with the Medo-Persian empire represented by the breast and arms in the image of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw. But then afterward will come a third one which will have a belly in his thighs and that represented the Grecian. You can see that there will be a, an end designed by the Lord, by God himself, that there will be an end to every kingdom, every empire. And so just like there was an end to the Babylonian Empire in 539 BC, there will also be an end to the Medo-Persian Empire, which will end at 331 BC, when the Grecians, headed up by Alexander the Great, who is represented here in verse 5, as the he-goat with the notable horn between his eye, who ran against the ram in his fury, in his speed and fury. And as Daniel see, what does he see according to verse 7? He see that he come close to the ram, and he was moved with anger against that ram, which is the Medo-Persian, it says here in verse 7, And said that no power was in the ram now anymore to stand before the goat, the he-goat, namely the Alexander the Grey. And we read three things that, that the Grecians did against uh, Medo-Persians, which represented by the he-goat smiting the ram. Three things in verse 7. He smote the ram. Number two, he cast him down. And number three, he stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his, this is the goat's hand. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, in these verses, verses 5, 6, and 7, we see how the Grecians defeated the Medo-Persian. And you notice, beloved brothers and sisters, that these representing before us this Alexander the Great, who really died when he was very young, apparently from fever, alcohol, and of him we read now more details in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 8. Therefore the goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, he, uh, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones 
towards the four winds of heaven. So what happened eventually when the he got representing, of course, Alexander the Great, represented by this notable horn between the eyes of the goat that ran against the ram, defeated the ram. But eventually, beloved brothers and sisters, Alexander the Great died. From history, we learn that he died very young, at the age of 32. Apparently, he was drunk. And he died, and as it says here, that the horn was broken, verse 8. And then, instead of him, there were these four generals that took over the Grecian Empire. Ptolemy in Egypt, Seleucus in Syria, and then Lysimachus, in Bithynia, and ultimately Cassander in another uh, location that we have here in the west, which is Macedonia. So we have the four generals, Seleucus took Egypt, Cassander, west Macedonia, Ptolemy, south Egypt, and Lysimachus, the north, Cappadocia, and all these four generals replaced now Alexander the Great, who died at a very young age. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, to see how now there is an end to the Middle Persian Empire. In other words, during the times of the Gentiles, God who is sovereign, he knows every situation that occur here in this world, every nation. He raising up a king and he putting down a king. Everything is in the hands of the Lord. He is controlling all the events that are going on, beloved brothers, here in this world. Nothing is hid from God. He is in control of all the events that are going on here in this world. And so how wonderful to see that what God had presented before us in the scripture would surely come to pass, including, beloved brothers and sisters, these empires that will come to their end one after another, as the scripture described this before us. King Solomon said to the people of Israel in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1, that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. In other words, God is in charge over all the affairs of this world. And we can trust him as we learn here from this interesting book, the book of Daniel. In the very same book of Daniel, we read in chapter 4, in verse 17, the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar, once he have returned to his proper mental capacity after the seven years that God have judged him, Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed this very important lesson for all men to learn. This matter is by the decree of the watcher and the demand by the word of the Holy One to the intent 
that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basis of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. And so amazing to learn that here we learn of the end of the Medo-Persian Empire and the rise of the Grecian Empire in 331 BC. But even Alexander the Great, even that notable horn eventually was broken down And now the Grecians continue to rule over the affairs of this world when those four notable ones, the four generals that took over the Grecian Empire after Alexander the Great have done. So he died, Alexander died, but the Grecian Empire continues on. And so now we see here, as we study Daniel chapter 8, that Daniel received now additional details that will happen in the history of the Grecian Empire, and of course, in relationship to our people of Israel, to the Jewish people who are now under the Grecian Empire, we learn what the Grecian Empire and one of the kings called Antiochus Epiphanes, who from Syria, Grecian Syrian ruler, king, what did he do to the Jewish people and to the temple in the city of Jerusalem? So we get more details in Daniel chapter 8. And really, beloved brothers and sisters, the event that we read about from Daniel 8, verse 9. To verse 14 are events that occurred during the time in which Israel were under the control of the Grecians when the king Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus IV, who was a Syrian, a descendant of the Syrian kings that rule over Israel. And look, this wicked, sinful king, what he had done uh, to the Jewish people during the time of the Hellenistic reign over the whole world, and particularly the land of Israel. And so notice what we read, dear brothers and sisters. In verses 9 and 10, we do read about the rise of another little horn. But this time, this little horn rose out of the four horns of which we read in verse 8, these four notable ones. In other words, there's a now another, you know, it's interesting because the word horn, the word keren in Hebrew, horn speaks of strength. And sometimes it speaks of the strength of God, which is holy and, and powerful and just. And sometimes those horns representing the power of men, which he received from God, which he uses often in a wicked way, in a sinful way, to abuse the power that he has in order to turn against God and God's people. Well, in the context of our chapter now, verses 9 on to verse 14, we first of all see the rise in verses 9 and 10 of this little horn that came out of the four notable ones, the four kings of the Hellenistic Empire, and notice it specifically zero in 
on one of these rulers that came out of the Grecian-Syrian part of the Hellenistic Empire. We read in verse 9 and 10, And out of one of them, out of one of those four that ruled, the four kings that ruled after Alexander the Great, came forth a little horn. That expression, of course, in Hebrew, it simply means Keren Achat Tseira, in other words, a little horn that came out of one of the four, which waxed exceeding great towards the south and towards the east and towards the pleasant land. Notice what it says in verse 9. This little horn, which we know from history, is Antiochus Epiphanes. He is this Hellenistic king who ruled from 175 to 164 BC. In other words, time had passed by. He was the eighth king of the Syrian dynasty. Name is Antiochus Epiphanes. And he rose now, but notice what we read about him in verse 9. He waxed exceeding great. In other words, he was empowered. He was, he had power and authority and he also went towards the south he fought against egypt and toward the east towards the middle persia there but also known as towards the pleasant land that expression the pleasant land in hebrew it's called el hatsvi the pleasant land is an expression that speaks about the nation the land of israel and this expression here the pleasant land represent before us the fact that he came also against the people of Israel. In other translation, it's called Eretz Chemda Nachalat Tzvi. It is a land that is called the pleasant land. A verse that is found in Jeremiah chapter 3, in verses 17 to 19, we read, in verse 17 we read, At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. Speaking about the future day when Jerusalem will be restored and the Jewish people back in the land. And then we read, And all the nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more, or after the imagination of their evil heart. Verse 18, In those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north, to the land that I have given for their inheritance unto the, your fathers. Notice verse 19. But I said, how shall I put thee among the children and give thee a pleasant land, a goodly heritage of the hosts of nation? And I said, thou shalt call me my father and shall not turn away from me. In other words, God, the name pleasant land applies to the land of Israel, the promised land that God had given to the people of Israel. Ezekiel in chapter 20 and verse 6 also calls it a pleasant land. So this little horn that came out from that one of these four parts of the Grecian Empire, he was that eight king of the dynasty of the Syrian, Grecian Syrian, he now came, and notice, 
He fought against Egypt. He fought against the East Middle Persia. And he also came to the land of Israel called the Pleasant Land. We read in verse 10, and look what we read about him. This man, this little horn, is none else but wicked Antiochus Epiphanes, who ruled from 175 to 164 BC. During these years in which he ruled, he caused havoc among the Jewish people. We read in verse 10, it, this is again the little horn, it waxed great, even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and trampled upon them. Notice what we read here, beloved brothers and sisters, that the rise of this little horn representing really Antiochus Epiphany, when he rose, and he fought against Egypt, against Medo-Persian, and against the pleasant land, namely the Jewish people. What does he do? He came against, notice, the host of heaven. That host of heaven is really representing the heaven is God. The host of God in the context here are the people of Israel to whom he came against in the land of Israel. And we read also, he cast down some of the host, in other words, he killed some of the people of Israel, of the Jewish people, and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. This is very interesting because whatever the events that we read here in Daniel chapter 8 and verses 9 to 13 are events that occurred in Jewish history during those years when Antiochus Epiphanes reigned. If you ever read the book of Maccabees, the first book and the second book, which is not Bible, it's just Jewish history, you will notice of the rise of this man by the name of Antiochus, who have been solely against God against the Jewish people, against the, the Torah, the law, against the word of God, against the sanctuary. And he caused a desecration, what is known the abomination of desolation that he caused there in the land of Israel. I would like to read to you just a few verses that are found in the first book of the Maccabees. Again, remember, the Maccabees, first Maccabees and second Maccabees is Jewish history. It's not part of the Word of God, but it gives us the history of the Jewish people. Let me read you what we read in just the first chapter of the first book of Maccabees. It says in verse 1 of chapter 1, And it happened after that Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian, who came out of the land of Shittim, had smitten Darius, king of the Persian and Mede, that he reigned in his stead, the first over Greece, and made many wars, and won many strongholds, and slew the kings of the earth, and went through to the ends of the earth, and took spoils of many nations, inasmuch that the earth was quiet before him, whereupon he was exalted, and his heart was lifted up. 
And he gathered a mighty strong host and ruled over centuries and nations. He ruled over countries and nations and kings who became tributaries unto him. And after these things he fell sick and perceived that he should die. Wherefore he called his servants such as were honorable and had been brought up with him from his youth and parted his kingdom among them while he was yet alive. So Alexander reigned twelve years and then he died. In verse 8, 9, and 10 of this first chapter of the first book of Maccabees we read, And his servants bear rule every one in his place. And after his death, they all put crowns upon themselves, so did the sons after them for many years. And evils were multiplied in the earth, and there came out of them a wicked root, Antiochus, surname Epiphanes, son of Antiochus the king. And here we arrive to that history about this Antiochus, the Grecian Syrian king. I just read a few more just to, from Jewish history concerning this Antiochus and his activities. In verse 20 of this first book of Maccabees, verse 20 to 25, we read, And after that Antiochus had smitten Egypt, he returned again in the hundred and forty and third year, and went up against Israel and Jerusalem with great multitude, and entered proudly into the sanctuary, and took away the golden altar and the candlestick of light, and all the vessels thereof, and the table of the showbread, and the pouring vessels, and the vials, and the censers of gold, and the veil, and the crown, and the golden ornaments that were before the temple, all which he pulled off. He took also the silver and the gold, and the precious vessels also he took, the hidden treasures which he found. And when he had taken all away, he went into his own land, having made a great massacre, and spoken very proudly. Therefore there was a great mourning in Israel, in every place where they were. Imagine what this wicked man by the name of Antiochus has done. Just a few more verses to read in this historical book of the Maccabees, the first Maccabees chapter 1, we read in verse 39 of the things that Antiochus Epiphanes have done, which we read in Daniel chapter 8 from verse 9 to verse 14. In verse 39 of Maccabees 1, we read, Her sanctuary was laid waste like a wilderness. And then we read that they were turned into mourning. Her Shabbat into reproach, her honors into contempt, as had been her glory. This is Israel, this is the Jewish people. So was her dishonor increased, and her excellency was turned into mourning. Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people, and everyone should leave his laws. 
So all the heathen agreed according to the commandments of the king. Yet many also of the Israelis consented to his religion and sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Shabbat. For the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem and the cities of Judah that they should follow the strange laws of the land and forbid burnt offerings and sacrifices and drink offering in the temple and that they should profane the Shabbat and festival days and pollute the sanctuary and holy people, set up altars and groves and chapels of idols and sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beasts, that they should also leave their children uncircumcised and make their souls abominable with all manner of uncleanness and profaning. To the end that they might forget the law and change all the ordinances, and whosoever would not do according to the commandments of the king, he said he should die. And finally, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, I just want to read the last verses of the first chapter of the book of Maccabees, which is a historical book that it's good to see, to learn what happened in Jewish history during these days of the Grecian Empire. We read in verse 59 of First Maccabees 1, Now the five and twentieth days, of the month they did sacrifice upon the idol altar, which was upon the altar of God, at which time, according to the commandment, they put to death certain women that had caused their children to be circumcised, and they hanged their infants about their necks, and rifled their houses, and slew them, that had circumcised them, how bit many in Israel were fully resolved and confirmed in themselves not to eat any unclean thing, wherefore the rather to die, that they might not be defiled with meats, and that they might not profane the holy covenant, so then they died. And there was very great wrath upon Israel, in those days arose Mattathias, the son of John, the son of Simon, a priest of the sons of Yorib from Jerusalem. And that's how Mattathias rose and he fought against the Grecian Syrian king and these armies and ultimately he cleansed with the help of God the temple in Jerusalem. And that's how we arrive to the Feast of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, which we and the Jewish people celebrate every year. But I just wanted to read to you, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, portions of the historical book of Maccabees in the first Maccabees, chapter 1, some of the things that this wicked man, which Daniel chapter 8 and verse 9 call him little horn that walks great towards the south Egypt, towards Middle Persia East, and towards a pleasant land. And that it walks so great uh, to the host of heaven, to the 
people of God, the host of heaven representing the people of God, and as it says here, and he cast some down, some of the host, some of the people he killed, as we have read in the first chapter of the first book of Maccabees, and of the stars to the ground. And if you notice that also the word for stars, oftentimes representing the people that belong to God. If you remember in the book of Genesis, in chapter 15, God said to Abraham in that vision that he saw, he brought him forth abroad and he said, look now towards the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Genesis 15 and verse and so it's representing the Jewish people that that Antiochus Epiphanes have caused havoc among the people of Israel. In Genesis chapter 22, we do also read, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son, and And if you remember, is where Abraham was going to offer Isaac. And when Isaac was eventually, was spared, you remember what God said to Abraham? That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. So here, this is in Genesis 22 and verse 17, Here, beloved brothers and sisters, we see how God have allowed this wicked Antiochus Epiphanes to do what he did, and he gave this vision to Daniel when he was away from the land of Israel in the time when the Jewish people were away. And so I would like you now, beloved brothers and sisters, to continue with me just to look at the next verses what the little horn has done, the desecration of the sanctuary, the desecration of the temple of God in the city of Jerusalem during the time when Antiochus Epiphanes reigned from 175 to 164 BC. Again, to remind you, Daniel, when he received this vision, it was 551 BC. When the events occur, when Antiochus Epiphanes have done what he have done is much later, hundreds of years have passed by, at least over three, four hundred years have passed by, and here we see the events that happened between the New Testament. In these four hundred years between the end of the Tanakh, the old the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament, and the beginning, the coming of the Messiah, in what is known in Matthew chapter 1, in the beginning of the New Testament, the New Covenant. And these events occur during the 400, 450 years of silence, which things have happened in the Jewish history. So notice now, from verse 11 to verse 14, we receive things that Antiochus Epiphanes did to the Jewish people and to the temple in Jerusalem. In verse 11, this little horn magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And you notice what he did in verse 
11 we read, and he, this is the little horn, this is Antiochus, he magnified himself to the prince of the host. The prince is really the, the high priest. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. In other words, Antiochus' epiphany, this wicked man, this little horn, what did he do? He went against the high priest and against the people of Israel. And then what did he do? He stopped. He took away the daily sacrifice. Now the daily sacrifice here in the Hebrew text, it simply uh, speaks about the Hatamid in Hebrew, the one that is always continuing on. This is the sacrificial system that was to be offered day by day. This is the offering that were rising to God every day, morning and evening, and morning and evening. It is called in Hebrew, Hatamid, the always, the continual sacrifice. It was taken away. And then it says that the sanctuary was cast down. In other words, what happened here in this, he really desecrated the temple in Jerusalem. We did read of him offering pigs and asking the Jewish people to set up altars in various places. And he put the image of Zeus upon the altar in the temple and he demanded from people, from the Jewish people, to worship him and to worship the images that he had set in the temple in Jerusalem. He desecrated the temple, what is called the abomination of desolation. And he, Antiochus, became a type and a picture of what the events that will, will take place during the tribulation period when the times of Jacob's trouble will occur in the future days, in the last days in Israel's history. So the little horn, he have caused image. He took away the daily sacrifice. He desecrated the sanctuary. In Hebrew it says, Machon Mikdasho, the place where God's holy name is placed in the Mikdash, in the sanctuary. Verses 12 and 13 and 14, we can see, we continue in verse 12. As we read, and the host was given unto him against the daily sacrifice. Now notice, apparently some of the host, some of the Jewish people became Hellenistic. They were influenced by the Grecian pagan ways of living. So some, and host was given unto him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, because of sin and disobedience. Some of the Jewish people were influenced, become Hellenized. And then we read that, continue in verse 12, and it casts down the truth. That truth simply has to do with the law, with the word of God, with God's ways, the Torah and God's instruction. He cast it down to the ground and he practiced and he prospered. So that little horn was allowed to cast down the truth. The Hebrew word, the ha'emet, the truth, is representing really that which is the, the Word of God, the truth way of worship, the truth of God is being cast down. And also, as it says here, he practiced and he even prospered. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, in the final two verses, in verses 
13 and 14, Daniel now heard one saint, one angel, one kadosh, one holy one, speaking to another holy one, another kadosh. And he asked him this question. Notice this. And I heard verse 13. One saint speaking and another saint said unto that certain saint which speak. How long? In Hebrew, Admatai. How long will you allow this to continue on? And then we read, How long will shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the horse to be trodden under foot? How long will it take place? How long will it take place? He wanted to know how long time will the sanctuary be desolated? Will the sacrifices cease from being offered? How long will the war against the Jewish people will continue? How long? How long? He asked. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, we do read the length of time here in verse 14. And he said unto me, unto 2,300 days, 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So it will take 2,300 days. In Hebrew it says, Erev Boker, evening, morning. In other words, there are sacrifices that are offered in the evening, there are sacrifices offered in the morning, but an evening and a morning together become one day, as we do read it in Scripture Right from the beginning of creation, beloved brothers and sisters, when God created this earth, this world, we do read that it was evening and morning the first day. Genesis 1 verse 5, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening, morning, Erev, Boker. Evening, morning become one day. So it will be 2,300 days it will take uh, until the temple will be cleansed. And indeed, beloved brothers and sisters, on the 25th day of the month of Kislev, in 165 BC, it was the Hashmonaim, this Matatayas, and his sons who were of the priesthood of Israel who sought to honor God, who have began to campaign against the Grecian Syrian armies and the Grecian Syrian who were headed up by Antiochus Epiphanes and his armies and they fought against them and in after 2,300 days on the 25 days of the month of Kislev, 165 B.C., the temple was cleansed and the Jewish people restored the worship to the God of Israel. That reminds us, of course, of what we read in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 10 of the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Hanukkah. If you remember, even our Lord Yeshua the Messiah came to this very dedicated, the rededicated temple, which the Matthias and his son, the Jewish people, rededicated back to God. We read in John chapter 10 and verse 22, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, Hanukkah, 
the feast of Hanukkah, and it was winter, and Yeshua walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. John 10, verse 22 and 23. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, how wonderful to know that God is giving Daniel, now in chapter 8, this second vision concerning the events that will occur during the Medo-Persian Empire and the Grecian Empire, and more centering, focusing on events that will happen to the Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem, to the temple that will be desecrated, but ultimately cleansed by the Maccabees, by Mattathias and his sons and the, and the Jewish people, the godly Jewish people who restore the temple to worship the true and living God of Israel. Wonderful truth we learn, but sad events that happen in Jewish history. And from the next verses, we will have the interpretation of the dream which the angel will give unto Daniel. And so until the next time, Beloved friends and dear brothers and sisters, may God bless you and may God encourage us all to follow our Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching, on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m., and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.